Does everything have a bright side to it? Of course. It doesn't always outweigh the negatives, but everything has a bright side to it. This makes happiness a choice. And here we say that the discipline of being happy is the ultimate discipline. With that said, welcome to the Ultimate Discipline Podcast, where we meet with people who are practitioners of this exact discipline, and we hear their cool stories of cultivating happiness through challenges in their life. I am your host, Sean Greenspan. Let's get to it. Sam, how are you, man? Good. How are you doing? Good, good. It's good to see you. Uh, it's, it's been a, a whole five days. <laughs> I know it's been uh, it's been a big five days for both of us. I think. Yeah, you, you you mentioned kind of when when we were setting this up that it was nice to get back into the swing of things. So I actually met Sam at VCon, Gary V's conference, and man, there were some good people there. Oh yeah, I think that was the best part for me. Like I. A lot of the the speakers didn't necessarily land for my interests, but it was more so the types of people that were going to be that event that I was really drawn to. And, you know, I've made some awesome connections, as I'm sure you have, too. Yeah, it, it, Gary said that in the beginning. He said, there's great speakers, but you're going to leave with, you know, a network. And it's the people you meet. So she said, he said, look to your left, look to your right, you know, shake someone's hand. I was actually on the drive back at a lot of quiet time and I was trying to think about it because there's there's some there's some thing that had everyone connected there. Obviously everyone was a V friend, but more than that, it's the fact that everybody everybody saw this trend early, got on it, was proactive. Um, I think that means everyone was curious kind of about the web three space. Everyone was optimistic in nature, a hard worker. It was just, the energy was great. I mean, you know, I feel like, you know, I met, I met great people like yourself and it was fun. It was fun being there. Yeah. I think what, what everyone has in common at an event like that is you have to be naturally optimistic, right? And that's something that I've really noticed in starting my own entrepreneurial journey is that the people that you meet who are entrepreneurs believe in a better tomorrow or else you wouldn't be running the business that you are running. And you need to have that appetite for growth in order to be in a space like, you know, crypto or uh, entrepreneurship, because you need to have that belief that there is something that you can do today to improve your reality tomorrow. And I think that's a common trait that I've met in the entrepreneurship circles that I run in, because we're we're all investing our time and energy into creating a better reality for us tomorrow. And I think that there are similarities between those entrepreneurship traits and the people that you find in a community like Be Friends. You said it. You said it beautifully, man. And um, tell tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, awesome. So my company is called State of Alpha, and I'm a men's fitness and nutrition coach. And the reason why my company is called State of Alpha is because I really believe that health is your alpha system. You know, you can be a billionaire, but if you lose your health tomorrow, none of that wealth, none of that power matters. And what I help people understand is that when you start to take your health seriously, every other area of your life improves, right? If you are if you have more energy and you have more confidence, you're going to be more effective at work. You're going to bring more value to the relationships that you have. So I, I help people understand that. And I help them understand that fitness and nutrition is a vehicle for improving every area of your life. You got that down pretty succinct. That's beautiful. <laughs> and and, and, I, and I, I love it. Um, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think that's one of the things that we kind of connected on was you know, the having health as a priority and someone that I actually went to VCon with, I was, I mentioned to him, I'm like, Hey man, it's cool. Like not only is like everyone here, like, you know, like focusing on their health and wellness, but like, they're kind of like taking the next step. And he said something that kind of caught my eye and he's like, Oh, health and wellness is just like the foundation. And I mean, of course, like I live like that, but like hearing him say that he was like, that's like automatic, like that you need to be focused on what, you put in your body, how you use your body, how you rest, you know, all of that. I do want to go back to what you were saying about being an entrepreneur, about being naturally optimistic and growth. It's, it is 
a little challenging, even for those, I would say I'm fortunately naturally optimistic. I'd say thanks to my parents, the the people around me and my close relationships, you know, I've, I've, I'm in a good environment, but still, you know, you lose clients or whatever fear creeps up and, and it, it's definitely pretty difficult to like stay in that. What's that journey like for you? Yeah, it reminds me of when I first got into sales. And for some additional background on me, I was uh, I was very heavily involved in Boy Scouts as a kid. And that led me actually to be the top popcorn salesman across Canada at the age of six. So <laughs> at, at six years old, I think the total amount was like $3,000 worth of popcorn I sold in the annual fundraiser. And that was for me going door to door, knocking on people's door and saying, hey, I'm selling popcorn for to support Boy Scouts. Do you want to uh, do you want to be involved? And something that my dad imprinted in me at an early age was every no you get is one step closer to a yes. Mm, right. Yeah. And I think. I think that's really the mental shift that needs to happen to sustain long-term growth is you need to celebrate those losses, not because you missed out on something, but because you learned something there that will take you one step closer to success, right? And what I've what I've learned is that when you can adopt that mindset, you become fucking superhuman, right? Because you start to sniff out the failures and you'll, you almost run towards them. Cause it's like, I'm no longer afraid of you. I know that I need you to be successful. So I want to experience as much of that failure as possible. That'll ultimately lead me to further and higher levels of success. I, 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 I love it. Right. Because I think naturally people would think you know failures are bad right and that's just not the case right actually in like the little intro blurb to this podcast i say that everything in life is either positive and fun or something that you can learn from and in many cases almost honestly almost every case it's both yeah you can like you can always like learn something from you know any event if you reflect on it and you can look at the good the example I've used, I feel like on at least three other podcasts now is like taking a cold shower. You're miserable and freezing. You're also energetic and alive and life's great. So it's like, you know, it's just a good example of just perspective and the role that that plays. Uh, I actually heard once uh, a CMO made a mistake at a Fortune 500 company that cost $60 million. And the board wow. went to the CEO and goes, are you going to fire the CMO? And he's like, are you crazy? I just spent $60 million training him. Why would I fire him? And I think that's like what you're talking about, right? Like you fire someone, you bring someone new and they're going to have to make that, hopefully not 60 million, but they're going to have to make that mistake before they they learn. So, so this was instilled at you at a young age. And the there's something that comes behind it. Like you said, if you're going to chase these, these potential, these things that could be scary, you know, these no's, you have to have a little humility, right? I mean, it definitely, you definitely have to set the ego to the side. It's not, I wouldn't say it's like a natural thing. Um, What do you, what do you think about how like the role that ego plays in that? Yeah, dude, I'm so happy you asked that question. So I see the ego as kind of like this antiquated shitty software, like, like windows 95 or something. And um, it simply isn't built for success in our modern lives. Right. Like think of it this way back in our caveman days, which, you know, from a, from a a historical standpoint, we're not that far away from Mm -hmm. the biggest threat to our survival was criticism, right? Because, or, or, or uh, let, let me say isolation, right? Because if we got separated from the tribe, we were fucked, we'd die. But now we, that same programming is running and that's what makes us afraid of failure because we think that if we, if we fail, we'll lose love, we'll lose resources, we'll lose connection and that will ultimately be a threat to our survival. But that couldn't be fundamentally more wrong because in today's world, we 
we thrive on failure and, and I should say well-calculated failure, right? Like, I don't think anyone should, you know, you're, you're an expert skier, someone who's never skied before shouldn't try and do what you do and be like, Oh, I'm trying to embrace failure. I'm going to go fuck myself up on this mountain. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm yeah. saying is that you need to take calculated risks where, and I think I got this idea from Tim Ferriss actually, where it's like, make make failure impossible because you're either going to succeed in what you're doing, or you're going to learn the lesson that will make, that will set you, set you up for success later down the road. Yeah, I, I do. That's awesome. We're going to get back to Tim Ferriss, you know, for sure. But what, what's, what's so cool about that is it just makes everything fun. Yeah. Life totally. becomes fun. You know, I'll tell you, um, I'll tell you something that I remember my parents told me like kind of growing up was, you know, people have a term like, you know, like, what if that doesn't, what if it doesn't work out? Right. And like, that's, I know it's just a saying, but what does not working out mean to me? Like people bring like this, such a negative energy that when you hear like not working out means like some catastrophic fail, right? Because of course, if it's not catastrophic, you can just bounce back from it. Even sometimes if it is, you can bounce back from it. So if you want to start this new business, Sam, right? Like you have a job, you just start a new business and someone's like, oh, what if it doesn't work out? What does that even mean? What if you went two years, you got no clients? You tried, you probably had a little fun with it. Um, you, you can, you don't need to think for the rest of your life. What if, right? Like, yeah. I, like, I don't think not working out is an option. Right. And, and then, you know, like you, like you also said, right. It's just like failure doesn't really become an option if you, if you have that attitude. So yeah, that, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Something, up, something I want to add to that too, is when someone asks that question of what if it doesn't work out, they're focusing on the risks of the new option, right? The new option is you quitting your job and starting the company and you're focusing on the risks of less money coming in, yeah. embarrassment, ridicule, right? But you're not, you're unfairly not looking at the risks of status quo, right? What are the risks mm. of you not making that job? Opportunity cost. Right? Uh, well, you're risking, you know, you stay in your comfy corporate job, you're signing up for a 5% uh, income increase year over year that doesn't even keep up with inflation, Right you're you're risking not meeting the type of people that you will meet when you're on your entrepreneurial journey you're risking not living up to your own potential and living a meaningful life in some cases so when you stack those risks up against losing some money and feeling embarrassed for a short period of time like right it's like yeah yeah I, I, first of all, that is, I, that's a, that is a golden nugget right there. I hope people take that away. They, they don't reflect on like what staying in the comfort zone costs. Will, will cost. Yeah. You know, I'm reading this book, dude, talk about a mind lapse. Do you know a book I was about to tell you I'm reading? It's what? the book that you, you told me to get the big, oh, leap. the big leap. I yeah. was literally just going to say, someone told me to get this book. I'm <laughs> dude. Literally last night, like a psychopath, I had my like my little like book light on and I'm like trying to like hover the light from my girlfriend so it doesn't like keep her awake. I couldn't put the book down. And he talks about, um, I don't even know what I was going to say. He talks about, uh, oh, in the beginning, that, that like what if mentality. And he was talking about like, there's, there's like this other level of love that we can feel there's this other level of happiness we can feel and i i don't know i mean th maybe this is what drew me towards the entrepreneur and you do not need to be an entrepreneur but i think that's a good metaphor and example for taking a leap of faith but i can't like live knowing like like what what happens if i don't try to ex experience this you know right. like that to me to me that's I don't know. That, that's just a little bit. I, I I'd feel unfulfilled at the end of my days, weeks, you know, months, life. Uh, there's. Have you? Do you know Jay Shetty? Yep. His book, Think Like a Monk. He talks about when he was working in like finance, 
he's like, at the end of the day, all I would feel is hungry. And I was like, I, unfortunately I can relate to that. You know, I know, it, I, I know what that's like, it's like, versus feeling like you've accomplished something great for the day or something like that. You brought up Tim Ferriss earlier. So I want to jump to, I want to jump to this because I want to learn from you. And I think other people would, would like to dive in. So, uh, for those, for those that don't know, and I don't have all the details about Sam's story, but he is working a normal job and started a business. So I usually, Sam, kind of tell people almost the opposite of what you told me. And it, you know, it, it enlightened me. That's one of the things that got me excited. Someone's like, oh, I want to start this business. I'm just so busy. Well, the darkest of the dawn comes before light, right? So you're going to need to just add that work to your plate. Just add starting a business to your plate while you're working, while you have kids and you're trying to keep up your diet and sleep and all that shit that we're all trying to do. But you mentioned that you got your job, you used the 80-20 principle to get your job down to a point that you did have time. Mm -hmm. Now, for people that don't know, the 80-20 principle is super simple. It falls into a category of things that I call simple, but not easy because I mean, the concept simple, you know, 80% of your time is spent on 20% of your outcome. 20% of your time is spent on 80% of your outcome. And you're like, I found that 20% to focus on and you kill it at, at, you know, what you were doing and you opened up time mm-hmm. into your life. People. If people don't understand that they can look that up, I'd love to hear a little bit more about like how you apply that. And I don't know if you have examples or things because it's difficult. I send you an email right now. You want to respond, but maybe, maybe, you know, cause that's your reaction, but maybe that's not one of the 20%, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I, I heard a question. I don't know if you follow Alex Hormozzi. I think we talked about him when we met last week yeah dude that guy's an absolute beast if you aren't following alex hormozzi and you're an entrepreneur or if you just want to be a beast in life make sure you follow him on instagram he's awesome but i heard him post a question the other day and the question he asks himself is what would i need to stop doing to kill my business tomorrow like what actions in terms of what i do on a daily basis if I stopped doing those things, how, what would be the quickest way to kill my business? And through asking that question, you will learn very quickly the things that matter the most in your business, right? So, you know, for me, that could be if I, if I stopped posting content tomorrow, my, my sales are going to go down drastically, right? If I stop giving my clients quality coaching and creating systems that actually work for them, they're not going to get the results. And I'm not going to have any proof to show future clients of, Hey, the shit works. Right? So by asking, asking yourself those questions, you get very clear on out of the hundred things that you could be working on today. What are the five things that matter the most? And making sure that you're doubling down on those five things with effort, with intensity, so that you can see disproportionate returns on the amount of time that you're putting in. And okay. So, I mean, that that's beautiful. And that's like a really good way to, that's a really good way to identify it. I like that question, right? You know um, I think Tim Ferriss in his book says like, what if you can only work four hours a week? What if you can four right. hours a day? What if you can only work four hours a week? What if you can only work four hours a month? And he's like, do it, do the exercise. Because not saying that like you need to just snap into four hours a month or whatever, but you do need to snap into that thought process of like, what's a priority. And uh, this is what happens with me. I don't really have systems in place right now. I'm actually working on that. That's something I want to get to because I think you'll like the decision-making process around that. But right now I'm trying to implement these systems because I feel like the work I'm doing is more chaotic. And once I can see the systems of everything I'm doing, that's the first thing I'm going to do is the 80-20. Wow, I'm spending all this time doing this. You know, that's just like, it's like a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, like, I think then there's there's two other keys. It's 
whatever we're going to do with the, like, whatever's like the 20% that's going to give us the 80% results, double down, crush it. Like that, you know, make that be what your life, you know, your, your work life is about. Yeah. Um, and, I, and what the way I interpret it is the other thing is now you have this opened up time um, into your day. What are you going to do with that time? It doesn't even have to be work. It could be, you know, chase passions. But if you run the 80, 20 and open up this time and sit on the couch and, you know, eat junk food and watch TV, that's, you know, it's all about utilizing that time, you know, I guess, I guess really well. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that's become more and more obvious to me as I have reached some levels of of success in business is having the time and freedom to do what you want on a daily basis. That's wealth, right? And, you know, for me to be able to uh, at one o'clock on a Wednesday, go outside shirtless and walk around and lay down in the grass, like, you know, I, I'm going to trade that over being in a stuffy, boardroom under fluorescent artificial lights 10 times out of 10. So having that freedom and autonomy in what my day looks like and doing the things on a daily basis that allow me to feel really fucking good and not, not pushing all those things aside for a future promise. Like, Oh, in six months I'll get this paycheck and then everything will be great. It's like, no, I'm going to do all the things on a daily basis that I love. I'm still going to get that paycheck at the end of six months. That's going to feel good too. But rather than like really, really cutting myself off from all the things that allow me to feel good in order to arrive at a certain place. I'm not so much interested in that anymore. I'd rather get my workouts in, get good sleep, get sunlight and just get 1% better every day. And that will have outsized returns in the long run. I love it. And it sounds like you have some pretty clear priorities because you need to have clear priorities to understand like what you're going to do at that time. Cause I'll tell you, I, I can, I can get caught into a trap and I was, I was first upset with myself Tuesday night. And then Wednesday night, I was proud of myself Tuesday night. I worked a good 10 hour day locked in eating meals at the laptop type of day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ate dinner and I had a, I had a bunch more work and I cranked it out. Didn't really get time with my girlfriend, which I was trying to, because I was coming to recon didn't really get time with her family and was like, you know, what? instead of eight and a half hours sleep, that's what I strive for. I'm going to go for like, you know, seven, six mm-hmm. really by the time I'm sleeping. And, and that's sometimes you got to do it, right? Whatever. But what I did the next night was we finished up dinner and I looked, I'm one of those guys that um, I clear my inbox, even if I just forward myself an email and say, Hey, like do this Thursday. I, for an organizational standpoint, clear my inbox every night, dude, I had like 29 emails, which for someone that keeps it, like I'm talking clean zero. I was like, oh, there's so much, but I looked through them all and none of them were urgent to tomorrow morning. Mm. So I said, fuck it. You know, like, let's go. We took a walk. We took, got some sunlight, you know, saw late, like, and, and it was, it was hard. And I, I just reflected about how many times I don't do that. And I, I have not been good with that, but, uh, I maybe it was me, maybe it was, uh, meeting you and hearing about your 80, 20, but something that that's been like a little voice I've heard in the, in the back of my head, these last few days that I'm going to really try to understand like, you know, priorities and urgencies versus just work for work sake. Yeah, that's key, right? Cause when you can do those things properly, you're getting good sleep, you're getting outside, you're getting sunshine, you've got your feet in the ground. Your performance is going to be so much better when you go into a, a focused work block. So yeah, enjoy life, do the things that make you feel good, and then be even more effective at the things that make you money. Win-win. Yeah, absolutely. What's a, what's like a tactic or a technique you have, or maybe nothing comes to mind, but to help you kind of live that 80-20? Yeah. So getting early morning sunlight is step number one every single day. So first thing in the morning, like I'm up at 630, I have some water, I'll I'll stand in front of my red light for a bit. But after that first half hour, I'm outside and walking every day. That's really important because that is going to not only wake you up properly, that early morning spike in cortisol from the sunlight actually wakes you up. 
but subsequently it signals for the production of melatonin around 14 hours after that initial spike of cortisol. So if you don't get that spike of light first thing in the morning and the, the following spike of cortisol, not only are you not getting the cortisol to wake you up, but you're also not getting the melatonin at night to go to sleep. So that's the number one thing, in my opinion, from regulating your energy levels, your neurotransmitter levels, your mental health, your energy, getting early morning sunlight is priority number one every day. And then after that, I, I try to every few hours, if I'm out, if I'm inside, I'll go outside shirtless and just get some sunshine. I'll eat my meals in the sun. I'll get my feet in the grass. Having those breaks in throughout my day are crucial just to maintain focus. And I find that you probably experience this too. When you have those really focused work blocks of 90 minutes or two hours and you don't, and you keep the work in that block, you're able to come at it with an intensity that's much more effective compared yeah. to just having like a, a huge eight hour work block. It's like, what the fuck? Like you're not going to be able to maintain focus for an eight hour window. Rather than that, focus in a 90 minute window, take a half hour, 45 minute break and then come back to it. Yeah. Wow. You take half hour, 45 minutes usually. Oh, to, as oh a, yeah. Often. And it's like, um, and you're taking that as just like complete off time, like just relax outside and eat a meal type thing. Not necessarily. Like sometimes, you know, sometimes if I, if I post to Instagram, I'll be on Instagram, like responding to DMS or, or, uh, engaging with people that that are engaging with my content not that that i'm not going to recommend that as like the best way to to yeah. wind down obviously but my point is i i don't have i'm not so rigid with it where it's like oh i can't touch my phone in this 45 minute window like sometimes yeah. i need to and oftentimes if that engage like if if me doing the work for a period of time feels good then i'm not i'm not going to necessarily cut it off or restrict it like yeah, there, there that's is good too. Some while there is the some, yeah, while there is some structure and some rigidity, there is some flow and and me going with whatever that day requires from me. Mm, I like that. Yeah, I need to, I need, to, I need to learn, I need to learn from that. You know, I definitely stack these big eight, 10 hour days because a lot of the things I like to do take a long time. You know, meaning like um, like this morning I played basketball from five to seven thirty. Nice. So like. You know, if you're going to wake up, like if you kind of like pair days together, if you're going to wake up at 430, so you have to go to bed real early, you know, play basketball for two and a half hours, drive home, shower, eat. Now it's 830 again, right in the morning. So I have 12 hours to do all my stuff. So sometimes I get in the trap of like, let me just like crank out my work as fast as I can. Then I'll go, you know, out and do whatever. But I love that, man. Um it, it really, it, it really is all about just like these little daily habits that string you along. And, um, one of them, which is, uh, kind of going back to Tim Ferriss, one of the daily habits I've been trying to do is understand the morning, what my most important decision is that I need to make for the day. Because mm -hmm. oftentimes as a founder or CEO, like a lot of what you're doing is just kind of decision-making. You remember fear setting, um, from the four hour work week? Oh Yeah. So um, for those that don't know, fear setting is like this practice that's laid out in Tim Ferriss's four hour work week. And it's about, it's about how to realistically weigh the options of like what might happen and what might not happen. And he talks about it kind of in these like big three or six month plans. Like if you want to start a business or take like a trip around the world and the guy that we were living with in Canada the last few months, my friend Jason actually mentioned to me that he used fear setting for like a really small decision. And it kind of just shocked me because I was like, you know, I was like, oh, like I, I actually have it on my calendar every six months to do fear setting. And I realized like, I look at the fear setting practice of just like a very unemotional way to make a decision. That's really what it is to me. And I told you I was trying to build out new systems, right, in my company. And I wanted to get back to this. What I did was I kind of like looked at it. It was an investment into my business. 
you know, as when you're starting a business, you need, you are very careful of your expenses, right? And you try, I'm sure everyone does this. You try to tie your expenses to directly to revenue. So, you know, like if one goes up, it's if expenses go up, it's okay. Cause the revenue is going up. Mm-hmm. If revenue goes down, don't worry. Cause revenue <laughs> expenses go down with it. These were my first two investments and in things that didn't directly, directly tie to um, revenue. And the decision I made was, you know, it was like six month contracts with people to help me implement systems into my business. And I just, I did some piercing and I thought about it. And I was like, okay, so the most likely outcome is I, I spend this money. And after six months, I have systems in place that help me, you know, get more free time back into my day, take longer vacations and keep the business running. Um, all these, like all these great things, you know, systems to scale the business, not around me, but around standard operating procedures. And that is going to change my life, right? If I could take a month vacation or if I can, you know, cut my hours down by 80%, those things change your life. So I looked at the bad side. The bad side is these people suck at what they do. I spend a lot of money um, and it doesn't really yield anything. So when you rate them, I'm like, okay, well, this one over here is maybe nine out of 10, right? Life-changing. And it's, it's for the foreseeable future. This one over here is it's badness is three out of 10, right? You spent a lot four, you spent a lot of money, um, a little bit of time, but it's not detrimental. And it's right when that six months is done, it's over. So it's not in perpetuity. So when you look at it like that, it's like trading a three out of 10 bad for a, a potential nine out of 10 good. It's like, <laughs> like anyone, even if you're not optimistic would go, you know, in this direction, right? And well, yeah, it's you're you're chasing asymmetric risk, right? And that's really yeah. all good investing is, is, you know, the worst case scenario is you, you lose like the, you make something 20% worse, but the upside is you make it 300% better. Right. So yeah. that that's all good risk management is, is you're seeking out asymmetric risk. That's, uh, I like that. Is there um uh... Do you have an example or kind of like a definition of what you think of asymmetric risk? Well, entrepreneurship is a big one, right? Yeah. Like if, you know, for me, the first investment I ever made in my business was hiring a online business coach for 5k USD, right? And based off of that coaching package, I made a hundred thousand dollars in 12 months with my own business. So the asymmetric risk there was, you know, maybe this is a complete scam and it doesn't work and I lose 5k, right? That's the worst case scenario there. But the yeah. upside is, you know, maybe it works and then I have a 100, 200, $300,000 business as a result of it. So it's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. I might need the name of that coach. Yeah, for sure. So the first, the first business coach I ever did a program with was Rachel Bell and her program online coach accelerator. And that was, uh, today one of the best investments i've ever made myself rachel bell i'll check her out man Mm -hmm. i love how you i love how you shed light to uh you know rachel alex hormone what's his last name alex hormozy yeah hormozy yeah you know it's it's good man when when someone leaves an impact on your life you, you you gotta you gotta spread their name spread their their ideas 100 dude something that i really wanted to to get to it just coming to me when we were sitting around that campfire talking about hypnosis and, mm. and you started talking about what we, we kind of started with hypnosis and we, we transferred the, the discussion to actually, um, I think in my opinion, the discussion was about subconscious programming mm. and was like a little bit about the power of that and, and reprogramming through visualizations. And then you said something really interesting to me is that, you know, you're, so you're helping people get you know, look good, build muscle, lose fat, things like that. The first thing you do with them is a complete mental exercise, right? Yeah. Um, I'd love to, do you mind sharing a little bit about like what you do? And then also, you know, really the meat of it would be like why, why you're doing that and, uh, and how people can, you know, take that into their life. Yeah, for sure. So what sparked that conversation between you and I was that exercise where I said, think of your phone number in your head, right? 
Yeah. And that's something that's something that anyone listening here can do too, is think of your phone number and you can close your eyes. You can see your phone number there in your mind. And then after someone does that, I then ask, okay, where was that phone number before I asked you that question? And they're like, oh, I don't know, somewhere in there. And then the analogy that I follow that up with is your subconscious mind is like a, a massive dark library, right? With tons of information, all of the experiences and the emotions that you've ever felt that is stored in that library. But your conscious attention is like a floating flashlight in that library that can really only hold one thing at a time in its uh, yeah. in its field of light, in its awareness, right? So with that understanding, what I explain to my clients is everything that you want, you already have inside you. And my job as your coach is to help you shine the light in the right places, because when you have access to the resources of energy and motivation and discipline and confidence, that's when you're able to act in alignment with those resources. Once you have the resource, you can take the action in physical reality that coincides with the energetic resource within you, right? So what that looks like from an implementation standpoint is... I help my clients get that crystal clear vision of what success in this area of your life looks like. The initial things that I always talk about with my clients are, you know, you want to lose 10 pounds or 15 pounds. You want to put on five pounds of muscle. You want to look good naked. Yeah. You want to look good at the beach, whatever the thing is. And I say, okay, great. You know, that's awesome. I'll, I'll help you get there. But why is that important, right? Who are you going to be after you have that result and and how will you be in that person improve your life because it's never about losing 10 pounds or or getting a six pack or uh putting 100 pounds on your squat right what matters is you being the type of person that you know you can be and you showing up with that confidence and authority in all areas of life and really creating a life that you love to live and the the weight loss and the fitness, sure, that might be at the center of it. But what's way more impactful is how do your relationships change as a result of this? How are you more influential at work and in your career so that you can create the income streams that you want coming in? And what I love about fitness is it's it's that direct feedback from reality on how you're affecting reality, right? A lot of people don't yet have this belief that you actually can change the, the world around you. But when you see that immediate result of like, holy shit, because of the different actions that I took, I'm now 20 pounds lighter and leaner than I was three months ago or, or four months ago, that creates a switch for people because now you have evidence that you can you have the power to change your reality. And, and then from there, it's like, okay, great. Well, you know, you are now leaner and stronger than you've ever been before. What's the next area of your life that you want to transform and using that momentum as fuel for a full life reboot rather than just, you know, a run of the mill fitness program. I, I love it. And you help them you help them dig into that feeling in the beginning and start to like kind of visualize it. Yeah, exactly. So the, the framing that I use is you have that alpha state within you. So I, I create the dichotomy of your beta state and your alpha state, right? Your beta state is you're, you're a victim of life. Your alpha state is you're at the cause of life. And through my hypnosis technique, I get them to understand what that next level looks like, feels like, sounds like, so that they have a roadmap of what they're looking to create. What I kind of think of this as is, is you need to be able to put the destination in your phone before your phone will tell you how to get there. Right? Oh, yeah. So I, I help my clients understand what is the destination we're going toward. Because once you have a crystal clear of what that looks like and feels like, it's a lot easier to stay consistent and motivated to take the action required to get there. You got to have a goal. I, 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 it, it, it's, it's one of those things like the 80-20, man, that 
I think everyone understands, yeah, like I have goals, but it's like, okay, what are they? Like, you should be able to recite your goals, spit them out. They should be written down on cards. If you have a team, every single person that works for you should know your goals. And I'm not, I'm not there yet. That's one of the big things I'm trying to implement with these systems. It's like goals and then even mini goals, milestones, right. To make sure that we're going to achieve these. But I think like the, the old, the old saying I'm, I've, heard several times is like you know if a ship leaves with no destination what's the chance of it you know getting there <laughs> yeah right? it's like where, where are you even trying to go and it you know it, it is powerful but i think a lot of people get caught up trying to have too many goals at once or being scared to put that goal out there right like you know i want like if, if you want to make a million dollars this year you know putting that out there and then only making $29,000, you're going to feel like a pretty big failure. You got 2.9% of the way there. You, who cares if you fail or not? If you fail, just make a list of things you learned, right? Yeah. But it, it's it's scary to put goals out there um, and, and to do it humbly, right? I feel like, you know, people can, you can get caught up in the trap of like, once you like put goals out there, you're trying to like brag about it or whatever, even if you haven't accomplished it yet. But, you know, I, I, that was something that just stood out from, I guess it was like Monday night or Sunday night when we, when we got together that you were talking about how important that was. I mean, you said you're like, that is what I think is most critical to our body transformations is that people are committed because if you told me, Hey, Sean, like you're, I could, I like, you want to pack on 20 pounds of muscle. Cool. Like let's do it. But if you're like, Sean, you know, we're going to pack on 20 pounds of muscle, but you're going to leave with a deep belief in your core that you are, have the confidence and you're empowered to make changes in this life. And you're going to start to see them, you know, outside of just adding the muscle and you're going to be able to do 10 more things outside of that to that, you know, it's like, I'm in. Yeah. Right? But if you're just like, Hey, like you can like look a little better, you can justify why, well, 10 pounds more muscle is fine too. Like, right. it's like, you know, it's starts to not be, you know, not be, I guess, as big of a, of a thing. Yeah, at the end of the day, I think our life, and this is gonna this is gonna be triggering for some people, um, because victimhood's super trendy right now. But uh, I think that your life situation is a complete is always a reflection of what you subconsciously deserve or what you what you believe you deserve, right? Believe you deserve, yeah. Yeah, what you believe you deserve, and that is the biggest thing, you know, if, if I didn't have the belief that I could create serious transformation, I wouldn't for clients, I wouldn't be taking the action to start a program. Right. But because I genuinely believe that I'm doing that. And unless you believe that you can create a reality, you're not going to take the action to get there. So yeah. the belief that you can do something needs to precede the action to take it. Yeah. How do you, how do you find that belief? And I think a lot of people, like, it's easy to say, like, I genuinely believe this, but do you, and, and, and you might not even know, it might just happen naturally. Um, do you do anything to, to try to clear up what's going on in here? For sure. Yeah. So there are processes that I'll go through to clear up limiting beliefs and effectively like clearing limiting beliefs is really a sexy term for breaking the mental models that are currently running your mind. We, everything that we believe is a distortion, a generalization, or a, um, a deletion. Okay. And let me explain what I mean by that. So this is, uh, I believe these numbers came from John Grinder, who is the, uh, the father of neurolinguistic programming. Let me check. Let me confirm that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So John Grinder was one of the founders of NLP, if you've ever heard that before. Yep. And something that I remember hearing from him was that in any given moment, there are about 2 million bits of data that are coming at us. So right now, like in your reality, what can you be present to? Well, you've got the, the computer screen in front of you. You've got the sensation of the AirPods in your ears. You might even be able to feel your shirt on your skin. You might be able mm -hmm. to feel your feet on the floor. You might be able to feel the temperature of the room against your skin, right? But 
and you're, you're hearing the audio coming through your headphones, but there are so many data inputs coming at you at one time, but you can only hold about seven bits of that data in your conscious attention, right? Like all of the things Mm -hmm. that I just mentioned, you probably weren't consciously aware of in that moment until I mentioned them. Right. Yeah. So, but think about one how of the beauties, one of the beauties of AirPods. I feel like they're not even in there. <laughs> yeah, right. So think about how you have experienced your entire life in that way. Yet you think you have an understanding of what's true in reality. You're this kind of person. You're not that kind of person. You like this. You don't like that. But you've only been interacting with about 1% of the available data of any given moment. Okay. So when you when you come to that when you realize that, you realize how malleable our belief systems are because for every belief you have, I can create an example of where that belief's not true. So at the end of the day, what I'm focused on is not determining whether or not my client's beliefs are true or untrue. Rather, I'm focused on ensuring that my beliefs are helpful rather than unhelpful. Hmm. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? I, I actually, I really understand the, I, I feel like I understand the, the front half, right? Saying that it doesn't, it doesn't matter if their beliefs are true or not, because it's more about like, what's, what's like moving forward. I don't want to get into the whole thing about like, what is true and what's reality. Right. But um, it's, it's just more about our mindset and our ability, you know, just based on our beliefs, our ability to change reality. What do you yeah, mean? Let, about me, the- let me dig into that a bit more. So a common belief as to why someone wouldn't start a business or take a risk in life is there, they have evidence that they've collected in their mind that says, I'm not good enough to do that. Right. Yeah. And when, when I ask why they give me a whole list of reasons why they're not good enough. Right. And what their brain is doing is it's conforming their reality to this belief that they have of them not being good enough. And if as their coach, I can start to ask questions that say, well, what about, you know, this example where you have been good enough? Or what about this other example where, you know, that, that looks like good enough to me. Like how are you forgetting to include those examples in your, your list of reasons why you're not good enough? What I can do is I can start to weaken the armor of that belief system. And when I can do that, and they realize that like, oh shit, this belief is just completely false. Then it's my turn to say, okay, great. Well, what would be more helpful for, what would be a more helpful belief for us to install in you? That would, that would move you in the right direction rather, and that would move you in the right direction and help you create the results you want in life rather than keeping you stuck and continuing to recreate the results you don't want in life. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense? Yeah, ab- Absolutely. It's, it, it's kind of crazy to me. So I've, I've been reading quite a lot lately. I have no conscious reasoning for why I choose the books I do. For example, um, somebody else Sunday night recommended a book right before you did. I didn't really react. You're like the big leap. I was like, cool, bought it. I'm a third through it, right? Every book I read... Every person that I've had on this podcast, it comes down to the fact that what we think appears in life, whether it's our limiting beliefs, they appear in life, whether it's successes, limiting belief, and it's different ways to overcome that. But right, like I've been reading, like, this is what the secret is about. I'm sure you've read that by, um, this is what i mean this is what like the big leap is about i just read a book called secrets of a millionaire mindset again um but have you read that i haven't but i've heard of it i've heard of it it's like a money book but it's actually a mind book that's why i like it um really tim ferris's four-hour work week he has a whole chapter on repression and you know i mean to me that's what it's all about and like you know it's just it's what everyone everyone that i'm naturally connecting with it, it's coming down to it. it's coming down down to overcoming those limiting beliefs right dr joe dispenza's book um and all of his like work and workshops um i just read the M- mind change oh man 
Mind Change Method by Heather McKean. Mm. Heather lives about 15 minutes from you. And I'm oh, yeah? super close with you or close with her. She, um, the book's good, but I'd actually, um, if you feel like in, in making an investment, I'd actually get into her course. Mm. It is all about how memory is stored as matter in the brain and creates physical manifestations. Um, and she runs a company with her husband, Kent, that is exactly like you're talking about. It's reprogramming your subconscious. Dude, I would say, I mean, I would love to connect you with them for lunch or dinner or something. Yeah, but, let's uh, do it. If you, if you read the book or honestly, I would say take the course. Again, it's uh, it's a little pricey. It's like $500, but dude, it's, it's not, like it, it is, you know, and I, I'm saying, I'm not even saying this from, you know, an elevated state, but you know, there's difference between like, meditation and like doing inner work right like um i think a lot of people try to find mindfulness and meditate and clear their head i don't i haven't been the best at that but that's very different from even if you're sitting with your eyes closed focusing on your breath and it looks like the exact same that's different than inner work right where you're the whole time you're saying that you're actively thinking about limiting beliefs and overcoming them and reinstalling things in your brain like to me, those are very different. This course is all about like inner work and mm. I'm about 50% through it. I read the book. Um, they're, they're cool. You'll, you'll definitely vibe with that. I'm going to get that book after a call here. Oh, that's dude, You'll, you'll love it. And um, I'm going to, I'll connect you with them for sure. Yeah, please do. Absolutely, man. Um, yeah, that's, that's beautiful. So it sounds like I've also seen something else that a lot of people, myself included, use their specific medium. Mine is right being a business consultant. Yours is being a fitness coach to try to help people make changes in their life, like almost coming in as like a life coach, if you will. Yeah. I wonder, you know. I, I think that's just, I guess, like entrepreneurship, right? People are trying to like craft craft you know the the ultimate like the the job that they want for themselves that you know it's it just seems like that naturally starts to happen for for some people right they they spend all this time learning and testing things on their on themselves and then they want to find out how they can you know kind of share that with others yeah totally it's well that's that's kind of how the the playground of life works. I think once you have figured something out and it's working for you, that's how you make the game better for everyone by teaching people that skill. Hmm. So it's the evolution of life is, you know, learn, learn as much as you can so you can teach and share. Yeah. And then you, you, with our, our system, you get rewarded for that. Right. And I think that's like, it, it's funny. We have, especially our generation. I'm not sure. How old are you? 28. 28. Yeah. I'm 29. Um, nice. Like it's, it's very chic to like uh, to shit on capitalism. Right. And I think that that capitalism is the most human thing in the world. And I think that you can, you know, you can actually, uh, point to a lot of ways that our system is not perfect are because we don't have true open market capitalism. And ultimately, that's like, what could be more human than wanting to, uh, to learn something, reap reward from it, and then teach other people that thing? Like you can imagine what would have happened in, in the, the hunter-gatherer uh world we would we would be learning things to improve our own situation and then when we have that value we can maximize that skill that we've learned by teaching it to other people right and that's yeah you know regardless of whether you're a fitness coach or a nutrition coach or a business consultant at the end of the day it's not about the 10 pounds or creating an extra six figures of revenue or whatever the, you know, the result that you're focusing in with your business is 
it's to improve the life of the person that you're working with. It's to make their experience as a human better, right? So the more you can draw the connection to from what you're the the specific result that you're helping them achieve to the larger macro picture of how is your day-to-day experience as a human going to improve from this change, the stickier those changes become and the more impactful they end up being. Yeah. You, you, you gave a really good example with the hunter gatherer, right? And like, I'm dumbing the situation down, but in my head, I'm envisioning someone who finds a new tactic to, to get food, right? Yeah. What are you going to do when you kill that food? You're going to fucking eat it first. <laughs> you're going to reap the rewards and you're going to feed your family. And then, you know, your cousin, your friend, you're going to be like, dude, get on this train, man. Yeah. Um, I worked a lot in behavioral science and it's called social currency, right? When people learn something, it, uh, the example that a lot of people use in behavioral science world is actually avocados, right? When people mm. learn that avocados have fat, but actually help you lose fat because it's a good kind of fat. And they also have more potassium than a banana and all this shit. People like, you know, they want to share it. They're like, Hey Sam, did you know avocados are so good for you? The oils, like blah, blah, blah. And you know, that's social currency. And it's, it does feed the, the ego a little bit, but it's not a bad thing, but it's definitely something deep rooted in our psychology that um, we like to do. And that's really what, what like I, I feel is like, sometimes if I, if I really, really realize something, mm-hmm. meaning first I become aware of it, I read it in a book, then I understood it. I reread it and took some notes on it. And maybe had a conversation with a friend on it. Then I tried to implement it and failed and learned and implemented and failed. And then it became part of my life and it's in my subconscious. Like for, for me, you talked about like the number one thing I do every single morning is two things. Drink 32 ounces of water out of this bottle and get my body moving. Mm-hmm. And like, I, not like in a way like I could write on paper, turn into a formula, but I know in my heart that is like the foundation to my happiness, any success I have, like that is Sean Greenspan. I just want to share that with people because Mm -hmm. I, because I, I know it's the key and that doesn't mean it's the key for everyone, but um, you know, so I, I, I definitely agree with that. I think people kind of want to like learn, reap the rewards and then share it. And the beautiful thing about capitalism and open market capitalism is, you know, um, you get rewarded financially for directly for the value that you deliver. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that, that is what money is. It is, you know, it's just a, a amount of value you've delivered. And over time, you know, it's, and of course that's not always the case. You could win the lottery or something, but you know, over time, that's generally what's going to be. And if, if you could, you know, combine that with something that you love doing, I mean, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. And that's, that's my story too, is when I was 18, I completely transformed my confidence and relationships and social situations and athletic performance by really understanding nutrition and training. And I see so many people that are completely missing that aspect of their lives. And that's ultimately why I started state of alpha was to help them master that area of their lives. Hmm. And you've done it yourself too. Yeah. That's that I think that that helps a lot. From uh, you know, let's let's lighten the conversation up a little bit. From like a business standpoint, um, it does seem like you know, content for you is 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 killing it. You know, I know a lot of people out there looking to start businesses in a fitness space and a completely different space. Um, you know, just from glancing at your social, I think like the sentence that comes to mind is like the proof's in the pudding, right? you know, you're in great shape, you're getting others in great shape. Do you have any tips for anyone that's about uh, either making the decision to start entrepreneurship or maybe more around like a good way to uh, market yourself? Yeah. Oh, so many. So I think the biggest thing that comes to mind around that question is people think they need to have clarity before they take action. 
And in some ways that's helpful. And, and, and we talked about that with like how I help my clients get clarity before they take action. But what's also true is action breeds clarity, right? So for me, what's pretty cool is I, I didn't actually have my program created until I sold 10 spots for it. So for a lot of people, that would seem preposterous to them. They would think that, you know, you need to have everything figured out before you start your business. You have to have your course made and you have to have all the modules recorded and you need, you need to know exactly what it's going to look like. But it, for me, in a lot of ways, I was building the plane as I was flying it. So yeah. what I told my very first round of clients was like, hey, look, this is the result that I'm going to create for you. And these are generally the things that we're going to focus on to get you that result. And I p- would paint a picture for them and they'd say, okay, great. I'm in, you know, boom. I, I, my very first business launch ever, I sold uh, $15,000 worth of spots before I had created a single part of the program. I just said, this Love is it. when, the, yeah, this is when the program's going to start. This is what we're going to help you do. Are you in or are you out? Right. Sold my 10 spots. And then from there, I built the program. But what was awesome is like, I didn't have to worry about putting all this time into something without knowing if I was going to see a return on it. I'd already got the return. I already was paid for the work before I did it. And mm. I think that that mindset can be applied to a lot of different areas, especially in business. Um, and yeah, it, it's transformed my own business and, and how I approach it. Dude. I think if there's like one tip for someone like looking to start a business, it's, it's that, right. And it's that, um, a lot of people are analytical or like, you know, their limiting beliefs get away. It's fear set. And I'm not saying, you know, you don't measure before you cut, but sometimes you just do it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, my example, I talked with a close friend about this, who's been talking about starting a business for about two or three years now. And you know, if you, you know that you can help, you, you know, the body, you know, you can help people build muscle, lose fat. I know, you know, that you also know that you're not a bad person and you're just going to take their money and fuck them over. Right. right. So just cause you didn't have it laid out. All right. You know, this is like, like you said, this is what we're going to do. This is like the thing, like the, the, the topics this is how we're going to get you there. And then you learn on the fly and you know, before when we were talking about that, uh, sometimes, you know, while you're doing that, you're also working on the job. You might have those nights that we don't have our eight hours of sleep and our sunlight every two hours, but you know, sometimes you just grind it out and, and make it happen. And I think trying to bring this whole conversation full circle, the optimism in it, like, like anytime I get tired at work, I'm like, dude, I have a chance to create financial freedom. And you know, what we're, what we do is we help market fitness and wellness companies so they can increase their impact on the world. Like we, and we do this for like 25, over 25 companies now. So our impact is, is exponential. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, and it's going to last long, long past me and what we're doing with these clients. So I'm like, you know, if that is not back of mind, front of mind, right here, sometimes like if you're working on a Saturday morning, it's, it's cool, you know, mm-hmm. and we, we, it, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, we, we've, we've been talking or not sometimes, but earlier in this conversation, we've been talking about trying to get to that next step where it's like, Hey, now how can I systemize and automate what we're doing? But there's, you know, there's other times where you just have to grind and making the grind fun is, is really, you know, what it's all about. I think, I think people just focus on that negative, you know, what if it doesn't work? What if I waste my time? It's like, what, you know, what's the opportunity cost or what would you, where would you be using that time elsewhere? Right. So I, I, I agree with you, man, that action breeds clarity and action's a great way to learn. Great mm-hmm. way to learn that. That book by T. Harvecker called Secrets of a Millionaire Mindset. He's like, dude, you want to start a bakery? Go get a job washing dishes in the back of a bakery. Mm-hmm. You know, just do any, just get in the environment, start, do something, you know? So I, I really love that. Um, Sam, I have like 20 other bullets I could bring up here because you brought up a lot about natural light and you threw in there a little grounding, you know, like get mm-hmm. your feet on the ground and oh, yeah. 
all that stuff. That'll be for uh, episode number two or whenever I make it out to Austin. Hell yeah. Love it. Dude, I uh, I want I wanted to thank you because again, for those that don't know, you know, I met Sam eight days ago, something like that. And you know, I just action, right? I, I appreciate that. I was like, hey man, you want to hop on five? You said absolutely when this week works. And I was just like, I I love it. I love it. So I I really appreciate you, Sam. And I wish uh, you know, one of the other selfish reasons I started this podcast is there's some people I meet, you know, I met you at a conference. I'm trying to meet as many people as possible. We're all on our own agendas bouncing around. I meet people that I'm like, these people are so fucking cool. Like, I just want to like hold them down and talk to them. And like, you know, I was like, Hey, a podcast is a a great way to do that. So, um, I just, I, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your, your day and, and chatting with us, getting us into the 20%, not the 80%. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. I, I'm grateful uh, for the invitation and I'm pumped for you setting this up. And I think I'm going to have to steal your signature move here of coordinating a podcast right upon uh, meeting someone. I think that's a great way to get to know them. And what a, dude, what a great sure. filter for like really getting to know the people that you want to spend time with. I think that's awesome. Oh, it it is absolutely a filter of mine because I was like, I I had a call yesterday with someone, just another business call. And we started going, he, he's a CEO of a marketing agency. So I was like, let's set up a business. You tell me all your tricks. I tell you all my tricks. We try to help each other. But he was just a cool dude. And he's like, of course. And like 15 minutes in, we both kind of like felt like we just wanted to talk forever and, and document it, of course, so we can go back and, and learn from it. And then we could share it with others. So I was like, I was like, dude, let's just stop talking and let's do a pod next week. <laughs> yeah dude that's that's awesome that's such a good way to do it yeah man um i uh i'm gonna try to you know i'm I'm sure i should i shouldn't say i'm gonna try to i'm sure over the next you know several months or whatever maybe before the end of the year i'll be down in austin visiting matt so i will definitely give you a ring perfect man i'll look forward to it and we'll set up the the, uh the podcast studio in here so we can do round two hey oh i'm in i'm in thanks for the time man Yeah, likewise, Sean. We'll talk soon. See you, buddy.